0: State, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Farrell the tight end in motion. Fields gets the snap, gives it off to Sermon. Hit by Jojo Doman and brought down. He's short of the first down. It'll be fourth down. Doman fired off the edge and knocked down Sermon short of the stick. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman.
1: Thank you. Welcome to Sports Nightly here on a uh, Tuesday evening. Thanks to everybody for dialing us up after a work day for most. Full three-hour Sports Nightly coming your way, including Nebraska Volleyball Radio Hour coming up at 7 o'clock. The Johns will have you. John Baylor, John Cook coming your way at 7 o'clock. Austin and I will have you for the other two. Appreciate everybody for spending part of your evening here with us. Got a full slate to get to and a lot of topics to run down here uh, this evening. And uh, in ahead of tomorrow being uh, signing day round two for Nebraska football and uh, really every school around the country. So uh, Nebraska will add – at least one, hopefully more, commitments tomorrow, uh, beginning early in the morning and uh, progressing throughout the day. Uh, We will hear comments from Coach Frost later in the week. Uh, We are knocked off of Sports Nightly on Thursday and Friday, so it'll be a few days before we get you those comments. But Coach Frost, a meeting with members of the media, hopefully later in the week. Uh, But we will get uh, our our eyes on some some more new Huskers tomorrow as the February – Third signing day comes your way tomorrow. Coming up here on the program here this hour, help to to break it down for us is Nate Klaus from HuskerOnline.com. He'll join us here this hour of the program. We'll get Nate's thoughts on what to expect tomorrow, some names to watch out for, and uh, some times of uh, when some of these guys are, are making their decisions. So we'll get all that with Nate Klaus coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, our first guest of the night, uh, you know, just uh, 20 minutes or so. As I mentioned, in the 7 o'clock hour, Nebraska Volleyball Radio Hour uh, comes your way, and then we're back with you at 8 o'clock, Top 10 Tuesday. Plays in the Super Bowl will be the topic tonight. It should be interesting. I, I'm sure Tim has some dialed up from all the way back in Super Bowl one. Super Bowl two Seems to be the theme with him. So uh, we'll, we'll get some Top 10 Tuesday in there, some Super Bowl flavor, uh, as you heard there in the uh, ticker, Fred Hoyberg met with members of the media today. We know we had him on last night, but a couple of nuggets that we'll run down in the eight o'clock hour as well. Of course, taking your calls 531-546-86. five three one five hundred forty six eighty six. You have a, a question or comment on a signing day, or uh, want to kick the tires on some Husker hoops? Anything up for grabs here tonight? Callers, join us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations. And service Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I want to kind of do a, a quick status report just on the three major men's sports. Um, talked with a buddy today who lives out of state. And I kind of feel like there are a lot of people, Austin, just kind of wondering what's going on with all three sports. It's kind of an interesting time. Normally we're right into, um, you know, the thick of hoops. Baseball season's right around the corner, so I know there's always intrigue about baseball this time of year, and obviously Husker football was signing day tomorrow. So let's just start first with Husker football and just kind of uh, lay out where we're at, I suppose. Let's just start with, I guess, the coaching staff, and we talked about this yesterday, but Matt Lubick not going anywhere. That was the latest um, piece of news that he was – Uh, Interest, mutual interest from him and Montana state about a head coaching position. He is here. Team will have a signing day tomorrow. Uh, A lot of the newcomers already on campus and we're still working our way through the transfer portal. I think it's slowed down the attrition, at least for now, I would expect maybe a couple more in the spring. Um, But I I think for right now, those waters have kind of set. And we're just waiting uh, for the, for everybody else to get here and spring practice to start here and hopefully in a few weeks. So interesting time for Husker football. <laughs> and I guess the the wheels just continue to spin. I think, you know, most of the smoke has cleared out at least with the rumors and the Wandale stuff and the McCaffrey stuff and the new guys coming in. So I know this is a a, a weird transition time, but hopefully tomorrow goes to plan. I know there'll still be some moving targets tomorrow as well. That's
2: just the thing. Like you said, everyone just You have a chance to catch your breath now with Husker football. I mean, the turnover is gone probably from the roster till spring, like you said. After we get those guys on the practice field, they see how it looks like the early depth chart is going to shake out. They think they have a shot. They'll stick around. They think they're going to be better suited somewhere else. They'll stick around. Not stick around, they'll head out. So, yeah, and players that's probably done till spring ball. Coaches, probably as well. Matt Lubick taking that head coaching look. Jonathan Rutledge gone now. I think it'll be good for the offense to another year of continuity with Scott Frost and Matt Lubick there. That's helpful. And then, like you said, too, with tomorrow, I'm sure you'll bring this up with Nate, but it should be quiet for Nebraska. A couple pieces out there potentially, probably one for sure in Wind and Ho Ho Uli with that one scholarship there and still a couple to use for the huskers but yeah this is a good chance fans of husker football relax take a deep breath it'll get kicked up into full gear soon enough but yeah sit back for a second and just enjoy the ride a little if you can
1: yeah either that or start diving into your concerns uh from last season which is which is what i did um (laughs) you know i think there's been so much talk and so much news lately you haven't really had i haven't really had a chance i don't want to speak for other people haven't really had a chance to kind of reflect on what I watched or what happened in 2020 and some interesting numbers that um, that I dug up today that we'll get into a little later on and, and maybe even tomorrow a little bit too is Nebraska's passing game in particular the downfield passing and some of the numbers that correlate to that um, some of it's pretty interesting I it go the data goes back three years so back when uh, Adrian kind of took over as the starter and, uh, and under Scott Frost and we'll, we'll dive into some of that. Um, a little later on in the show, here this hour as well, and and tell you what we found. It's, some of that's pretty interesting, but I think more of this stuff is going to start popping up over the next few weeks once people have had to, time to kind of digest the season and, you know, kind of get the, the ground stabilized from underneath their feet. So that's what's happening with Husker football tomorrow. I know everybody's curious about Avante Dickerson, Omaha West Side defensive back who decommitted from Minnesota uh, a little while ago, and he will make his decision tomorrow everything that I'm hearing, it's down between Oregon and Nebraska with an Oregon lean right now. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that next hour as well. Alright, let's turn the page to some Husker hoops and kind of get people uh, <laughs> you know, s- situated with that as well. We heard from Fred Hoiberg last night on the program. Good news. Obviously, he's feeling better and uh, you know, things are, are trending upwards for Nebraska basketball. They're playing this week on Saturday against Michigan State. We'll hear more from Coach Hoiberg uh, in the third hour of the show, but uh, from what we know, Austin, it sounds like most, if not all, of Nebraska's team is available. It sounds like there are still two players that are waiting to clear protocol completely, uh, and I add Delano Banton in there, too, as you heard there in the ticker, dealing with an ankle injury. So for those wondering, is it going to be a Boston College-type scenario last night when they had four <sighs> scholarship players? Is it going to be uh, everybody available? That's kind of what we know right now. Uh, and we'll we'll dive into what Coach Hoiberg had to say about the pre- the layout of the week and how they're getting ready because there is going to be a swarm of games here in the next 10 days or so, uh, four games in, in eight days. So it's going to be NBA schedule, I think is what Coach Hoiberg said. I think we're all just excited to see this team hit the floor again. I don't know that there's a lot of expectation considering what they've gone through the last month but also where they were when this thing got pulled, but – we're all eager to see see this team back in action again, at least I know I am. Oh yeah, absolutely. And
2: we got to make sure we get uh, Kent dusted off, you know, we might need some yeah. time to warm up. But yeah, f- four games in 8 days after having off since January 10th. So, darn near a full month off. Not ideal, but the best ability is availability. And pretty much everyone, like you said, Notalano Benton is interesting. Unfortunately, tweaked that ankle on the first practice back. You hate to see that, but that's just more opportunities for other guys to step up. Can we get Trey McGowan's in attack mode from the jump? Can we see Teddy Allen being consistent in the first game back? then against Michigan State, they're playing Iowa tonight Michigan State we've kind of talked about them a little bit bit of a down year for them they're not nearly as impressive as they usually are the first game in Lincoln Spartans only won it by seven Nebraska got down early what if they learned from that first time I'm sure they haven't just been focused on a Michigan State scout this whole month they didn't know this was going to be their first opponent back but expect the expectations for me at least Ben are play hard, and build toward next year. I don't want to keep pushing the expectation to next year, next year, next year. But another year of these guys, we should have pretty much the whole roster back with only a couple spot additions in McGowan's Breidenbach and the uh, the Juco lefty shooter. So I think this is where you really work on stuff you want to see. This is where you get that culture built. You really get that accountability piece between those top guys that you expect to be around next year. And hey, just go out and play basketball. Have fun. You're back. I doubt these guys take it for granted because, you know, their season was on the brink there for a while, shut down for almost a month. So I expect to see a somewhat rejuvenated Husker team here over the last month.
1: Yeah, and the product on the floor obviously needs to improve. The first step is to clear the health, make sure everybody's good to go. But then it's going to be right back to growing as a team and, and doing the things necessary to win some games in the Big Ten. It's been a long time since this team has won a game in the Big Ten Conference. All right, let's switch gears to baseball. I've been getting more and more tweets and texts from people about what the heck is going on with Nebraska baseball. Uh, here's what we know. The team started practice last Friday, first official practice Um, So normally they get two weeks. They get two weeks to get going, and then they're off. They're off on the road for the first three weeks, sometimes four weeks of the season before their home opener. Um, Based on a report from Kendall Rogers, who we'll have on the show tomorrow, uh, Big Ten is just now, Austin, discussing what the structure of the schedule looks like. I have no idea what this means. Are they thirty percent done with those conversations? Are they eighty percent, or are they just figuring out how to open Zoom meetings and get to get, get everybody involved? <laughs> I don't know what that means. What I do know is the big rumor is that this is going to start the weekend of March fifth, which you know, looking at now is just over a month away. And if we're just having these conversations, there's a lot to be figured out. So. Bill Moose uh, on our Nebraska Athletics Director Radio Hour hinted that the team would be heading down to some warmer climates for the first two weeks of the season to avoid um, what's what's going to be inevitable, weather affecting Big Ten sites uh, for at least a couple weeks. And the big remember, the Big Ten has this temperature rule. That's going to come into play if you're playing in early March. So let's try and avoid a couple weeks of that. Let's go to Florida. Let's go to Texas. Let's go to Arizona, California, someplace. That that has warmer weather. Now the problem with that is uh, spring training. <laughs> it, it, there's going <laughs> to be guys starting to report to spring training, so you can't just assume. All right, they're going to go to Florida. They're going to go to Arizona. They're going to play. You know, the the entire league is going to go to these sites, and they're going to have places to play. You can't you can't assume that um, based on you know people reporting, teams reporting, um, prospects reporting, and all pitchers and catchers, all that. So you can't assume those fields are going to be available. If you're just now having those conversations, you've got to find a place that can host what you're assuming is going to be uh, 13 teams. Maybe you split it up, um, you know, six and seven. Obviously, there's going to be a team with a bye week. Uh, Maybe you do that. I don't know. So we don't have any details on where uh, the team is going to start. We have a theory of when. And we, we, we have a theory that it's only going to be non conference ga- or excuse me, conference games, no non conference games, um, which would <sighs> appear that right now the Big Ten is one of the, if not the only conference, that's going to employ that rule. Maybe some more nor- nor- Northern Climate conferences do, like the MAC. Not really sure, haven't heard on that, but that's what we know right now. And I would anticipate at least another week goes by before we hear what's going on with the schedule. But for now, Will Bolt's team they're just gonna show up and practice and try and get arms stretched out and ready to go for whenever it is, Austin, that that this team is told that they're gonna play. Nice to see the big ten
2: rule makers and schedule makers learn so much from football season, isn't it? Isn't it so good that they learn from their experiences and really got their stuff together? Oh wait, they didn't yeah. do that for volleyball either. And here we are with baseball. I mean, at least they still have a month. I'll give them that. It's not a week and a half before, like it was for volleyball, but I'm, not a huge fan of the whole non-conference only thing. I think boosting that RPI for whatever postseason will look like is big. Like you said, the logistics of just getting complexes, of getting locker rooms, keeping everyone separated enough from all these different teams. Yeah, still not in love with the Big Ten policies, but definitely excited to you know get to watching Husker baseball again. More than just two weeks to get going. Like you said, first practice on Friday. If they have a month, that should be good. Get the arms in shape, get the bats heated up hopefully a little bit. And hey, like like always, you, you mentioned the, the Big Ten weather. If Nebraska is the San Diego of the Big Ten and we actually get to go to San Diego, it tells you everything we have to know about playing games in the spring in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, so we, we don't really know. Whenever we have information, we'll, we'll pass it along. But, I mean, it's, it again, no control over what's happening. That's kind of what we know right now. Spencer Schwellenbach is raking in the preseason awards. He's preseason All-American by all three publications. Uh, the team announced captains today for the team. Uh, obviously, some of those guys that are, are coming back uh, for their fifth season, Joe Acker, Mojo Haggy. Uh, the, the, those guys have been around and Jackson Hallmark, Spencer Schwellenbach, two guys that aren't aren't seniors um, will, will, will lead the way for uh, for the captain. So that's great to see. A couple of freshmen, Bryce Matthews from Texas Bryce, uh, and Max Anderson from Omaha Metro at Millard West named to the uh, preseason watch list for Big Ten freshmen. So some some good preseason pub for Nebraska. They are picked eighth in the conference by D1 Baseball. I think that's perhaps low. That's fine with me. They were picked sixth the year that uh, they lost in the title to Ohio State. I think you know they're always off on that, which is just fine. So that's what we know right now in Husker baseball. Again, as soon as we know more information, uh, we will pass that along to you. But I wouldn't anticipate at least for the rest of this week knowing uh, what, what's happening there. And now, welcome on our first guest tonight, Mr. Nate Klaus from Husker Online com. Nate, first of all, thanks for joining us. Hope things are are well with you, man. Round two of the signing day tomorrow on February third. It wasn't all that long ago that we had just one of these. Are you used to the new format? Two signing days in a year?
3: Yeah, it's still kind of still kind of getting adjusted to it. I, I was programmed for so many years for the you know the basically the whole month of January and the days leading up to the first Wednesday in February just to be non-stop action and just complete chaos and you know the last couple of years it's been everything but that so um, I'm not complaining about it uh, you know I'm not working 16-hour days anymore uh, <laughs> leading up to signing day but it is still strange very strange.
1: Well what's your feeling heading into tomorrow with this team man I know uh, Wendon Luli ha- signed a, or committed a, a, you know a, a well while, a while back and I know with the – there's a lot of confusion. I know I've gotten tons of questions on this show and on Twitter. I'm sure you have, too, about scholarship numbers and transfers and where this team is at numbers-wise. Just explain to everybody kind of where Nebraska's at right now and what they can expect tomorrow.
3: Yeah, you know, you mentioned Wyndon you know, getting, you know, getting a four-star linebacker that could play outside or inside uh, like Wyndon uh, out, uh, out of Hawaii. That was a big get back in December. And once he committed, that basically left two spots left in the in the recruiting class. And uh, I think, you know, the plan for Nebraska has been to take, you know, use one of those spots on a high school prospect. Um, you know, I think Avante Dickerson out of Westside is obviously the top guy that's still out there for Nebraska. Uh, Devon Townley is an, a four-star outside linebacker out of Minneapolis who is also kind of still in the mix with the Huskers, but – um, and then, you know, Nebraska would like to use that last remaining spot on a transfer. Now, of course, if they don't end up signing anybody tomorrow, I think uh, we'll obviously see them use the two remaining scholarships on, you know, players out of the transfer portal um, or, you know, from this junior college season that's that's coming up here in the spring you know i think there could be some players that emerge uh and, and if you have a spot or two held back you, you could get a snag uh get a steal out of the junior college market but um you know i think uh, ideally nebraska would love to to get avante dickerson tomorrow and then you know i'd use that last spot maybe for a transfer quarterback or something now that uh, there's one less body in that room
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just the ultimate juggling act with this staff right now of of filling those last spots and filling them wisely based on the departures that that they've had. You mentioned kind of the buzz name right now, Avante Dickerson made some noise a couple weeks back when he decommitted from Minnesota when he didn't sign in December. I think we all were kind of thinking he was trending this way. I know Oregon – uh, is, is hot on his mind right now. Many think that the, the Ducks may land Dickerson, but uh, just what's the relationship been like with Nebraska and Avante, Nate, the last few weeks, and the Huskers pitched to him to try and keep him to stay home, even though Oregon's hot on his tail? Yeah,
3: you know, I, I think Nebraska's been fairly consistent with with Avante for, for quite a while now. Um, you're going all the way back to, I think things really kind of started to to heat back up between the two of them uh, during the season, back in October or even late September a little bit. I think there's there's always been a little bit of a dialogue there, and it, it continued to kind of grow. and um, you're right. you know when he decided not to sign in December, I think that that was obviously a very good sign for Nebraska. Uh, and then when he decommitted from Minnesota, that, uh, you know, all of a sudden things looked like, well, that it was going to be Nebraska's to to lose almost, and um, he'd be there for the taking. But Oregon has come in very, very hard here uh, at the the 11th hour. Um, You know, he took unofficial visits to both Minneapolis and out to Eugene, Oregon, and um, here over the last few weeks. And, you know, that's after he visited Minneapolis is when he decommitted from the Gophers. And I, I do think that, that that last visit to to Eugene, Oregon, even though he wasn't able to meet with the coaching staff and tour all the facilities and everything, but, you know, going out there, I think, may have given the Ducks a little bit of, of uh, you know, some momentum there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we'll obviously find out tomorrow, I think 8, 10 a.m. Uh, is when he's set to officially announce his decision. But as of right now, I, I think that uh, he, he appears to be bound for Oregon.
1: Yeah, that's, that's another recruiting story that I think we'll remember for a while based on how it's happened, the year that it's happened with the pandemic, and, of course, uh, you know, being a local guy, uh, you know, seemingly heading out west. We'll just kind of wait and see how that plays out, definitely an interesting story. I think another question that I get all the time, Nate, and I can only imagine the amount of times you get it too, is what Nebraska's plan is at quarterback now with Luke McCaffrey deciding to transfer. Another name that may sound familiar to Husker fans is Terry Wilson. He's been bouncing around from place to place. Speaking of Oregon, you a one-time pledge to the Ducks with Scott Frost out there. What's the plan right now do you see with Nebraska at the quarterback spot to address the departure of Luke McCaffrey?
3: Well, yeah, they'd obviously would love to, to be able to get a quality quarterback out of the transfer portal uh, if they could. And, you know, you're right. Terry Wilson is a name that has all of a sudden come to the forefront. Uh, he's got one year of eligibility remaining. And, uh, you know, he was at Kentucky. Uh, you know, one time Nebraska commit out of high school, uh, ended up flipping his commitment to Scott Frost and, and Matt Lubick out at, um, out at Oregon. And so there is a pre existing relationship there uh, between, uh, between Frost and Lubick. And, um, you know, as we all know, he ended up at uh, junior college in Kansas and then ended up signing with uh, Kentucky and playing there for the last few years. But, you know, it's kind of an in- intriguing name that has popped up, not only because of the connections to, to the coaching staff and, and obviously to Nebraska um, but, you know, he's somebody who has a lot of experience. He's played in a lot of football games. He's played at a high level there in the SEC, and, um, you know, and if something did happen to Adrian Martinez, you, you've got somebody who has that experience under their belt that could potentially step in and, and um, you know, perform, I think, at, at, a, at a fairly high level, and, um, you know, especially when you look at what's in the room right now. You've got Logan Smothers and then Heinrich Harbert, Uh, is now on campus as an early enrollee. Well, neither one of those two have have ever taken a snap, um, you know, in a college football game. So uh, if they were able to get somebody like a Terry Wilson that has that type of experience, I, I think that would make a lot of sense.
1: Nate Klaus, HuskerOnline.com, is our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Nate, we kind of talked a little bit about the numbers already. In, in your opinion, the transfer portal, the year of 2020 with COVID, with all of the, the transferring and the moving around of bodies, when you kind of anticipate the NCAA to, you know, with the waivers, what, what – Especially with Nebraska's case, you know, obviously Marquis Step is going to be the first one that comes to mind. What are you anticipating the NCAA does as we get closer to a one-time transfer allowance from the NCAA about all these movements and all the players left in the portal and, you know, their eventual homes and, and the eligibility that they're going to acquire wherever it is that they land?
3: Yeah, you know, that's going to be uh, a pretty you know, interesting uh, to see how that all unfolds, because that one-time transfer rule has yet to be officially passed. But there are so many names in the transfer portal. I think the last last number that I had was over 1,400 names oh, in the transfer portal. And um, you know, and out of those names, I'm, I'm assuming that there's probably about 75% of them are players that uh, are not graduate transfers. And so they would need a, a waiver, um, you know, to, to play immediately. And and given the pandemic and, and given the sheer amount of, of players that are in the portal, I don't see any way that the NCAA has the manpower to to kind of comb over everybody case by case and, and grant a waiver here or, or deny a waiver there. I am anticipating them kind of giving a, a mass – um, waiver to pretty much anybody who's in the portal. And, and, and I think players have a pretty good idea that that's what's going to happen. And, and that's part of the reason why I think we've seen a lot of names jump in there. You know, they didn't lose a year of eligibility by playing this past year and they know that they're, they're not going to have to sit out, uh, more than likely not going to have to sit out uh, once they land a, at their new place. And so I think that's kind of contributed to the numbers. But uh, I would be very surprised if a guy like Marquis Stepp uh, was not granted a waiver to, to be uh, eligible immediately.
1: That's a great point that you make about just the sheer quantity in itself, pandemic aside, yeah, I, I would completely agree with what you said right there. Nate, one more before we let you go here, and that's uh, kind of, you know, further down the road here, but anybody that's on Twitter and, and follows you on Twitter, at Nate Klaus on Twitter, and, and all of your, your, your colleagues, uh, When you see when you see these these offers going out to Nebraska players and players uh, from this state, the in-state talent, not even just this year or last year, but upcoming years, where 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 has this gone in terms of Nebraska's talent in the state and the attractiveness that schools from all over the country. Are, are coming in to, to try and pluck this talent away. Where would you evaluate Nebraska's st- uh, talent right now as a state, and and what's making it attractive to other schools?
3: Yeah, you know it's it's uh, interesting times right now because I would say you know in, in the 18 years or so that I've been involved in, with recruiting um, here in the state, I, I, I don't know that we've seen, you know, a stretch where there's been so many classes back-to-back-to-back to back to back that have been as talented as what we've seen here recently. Um, you know, Devon Jackson out of Burke
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, just last night received an offer from Miami. Well, you know, Miami's not a school that typically comes into Omaha uh, to <laughs> offer a player. You know, typically, you know, they, they don't really even have to leave South Florida very often. So, um, But that speaks to the the type of talent that's in the state. Um, you know the, the 2021 class was very talented that 2022 class I think is is also going to be um, producing probably seven or eight division one power five type of kids um, you know an early outlook on 2023 and even 2024 is is just as promising maybe even more so so um you know and, and that's a good problem for Scott Frost and his staff but uh, it has also kind of opened up the doors for a lot of other teams to to enter enter the state um, you know and try to try to poach some of these really good players so um, while it is a good problem, it also creates a lot more competition in your own backyard so um, yeah but i i am um, i'm very impressed with the type of kid that uh, type of athlete that 's coming out of the state right now and uh, and, you know, like I said, I think for the foreseeable future, it's going gonna, it's gonna to remain at a fairly high
1: level. No doubt. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, where, where these guys end up, hopefully, uh, finding their way to Lincoln, um, you know, some more, more, more than less than some. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds in the years to come. Nate Klaus, Husker Online. Nate, thanks so much for giving us some time, busy time for you, I know. Good luck tomorrow on signing day. We'll be following along, and uh, take care of yourself. Appreciate the time tonight.
3: All right, you bet. Thanks, Ben.
0: This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. A
5: joust at the net, two handed over by Nicklin, not down. Free ball back. Here come the Huskers. Nicklin jumps set left. Lexi, 21 16 Nebraska. That, folks, is high level volleyball.
0: With Husker head volleyball coach John Cook. Indiana pumps that
5: laugh. Brianna Edwards, stuff block. Lawrence Diverin, solo job. Kaboom, he comes right back. To the Indiana Shoot Tops, it's 10-5 Nebraska.
0: The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics at starterheyman.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Greetings, Nebraska. Hello, hello. Happy Tuesday.
5: 7 until 8 p.m. Central. It's your Nebraska volleyball show. Hey, what's the next best thing? to watch Nebraska Volleyball talking about it. Every week, your Nebraska Volleyball show, 7 until 8 Central Time, typically in the fall, but in 2021. You get it in the spring and then the fall. Your Huskers leapfrog to number 4 in the country, in the American Volleyball Coaches Association poll the ABCA just behind Wisconsin a perfect 4 and 0 Texas a perfect 14 and 0 all of Texas's matches were played in the fall they count towards the spring schedule Kentucky Leaps Frogs, Nebraska, they're number three after previously being number five. Craig Skinner's squad 10 and 0, Nebraska 4. Baylor on their heels at 13 and 3. Minnesota is a perfect 4 and 0, they're number six in the country. Stanford plummets from number three to number seven. Winners of three of the last four championships, the defending champions, the Cardinal, 0 and 0, and they drop four spots. Utah is number eight. Boy, what a great job Utah does every year. Penn State, number nine, and Florida is number 10. So Wisconsin, Texas, Kentucky, Nebraska, Baylor, Minnesota, Stanford, Utah, Penn State, and Florida, your top 10 in women's volleyball. Join us if you'd like tonight. We'll get you the phone numbers in just a second as uh, you can join in on the Nebraska Volleyball Show. I'm John Baylor, your host. We're with the 21-year head coach. John Cook of Nebraska volleyball. Hello coach, how are you? Doing
4: good, JB. How are you doing?
5: I'm um, all right, but along with Husker fans, we're a little ticked off. We wanted to watch matches this past weekend. But take us yeah. back to Friday. Where were you when you found out how was the information that Northwestern would not be able to play communicated to you?
4: Well, our first clue was in the morning when one of their players tested positive on what's called the rapid test. If you test positive on the rapid test, that's why we test in the morning. Then that way we have a chance um, to get it to uh, do the PCR test to confirm it, which has a higher accuracy rate. And um, so we took it up to Omaha. And it ended up being positive, and that was about 4 o'clock we got those results. So so as I told our team, I, I said, i got to tell you guys a story. When I was in high school, I asked the girl to go to a dance, got up the courage to do it. And then the day before the dance, you know, you're all fired up to go to the dance. And, and she said, sorry, I'm going with somebody else. So that's kind of how it felt.
5: What was her name?
4: I don't remember. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Good answer. But, Excellent answer. You never know when Wendy's listening.
4: Yeah, so we're we're at four o'clock. We're our players are starting to do their. It's a six o'clock match, so they're there starting to do their prep. And Northwestern's in the locker room, getting ready to come out and do their time on the court and shut it down.
5: Wow. So they had flown here. Had they spent the evening before at a Lincoln Hotel, or had they arrived that morning?
4: No, they came the night before. So
5: they spent the night before. They'd been in town for 24 hours. They take their test Friday morning. One player gets a preliminary result of positive. You take it to Omaha. It gets confirmed. You then communicate with them as they're getting ready to go practice for the match. The match is off. One player testing positive, and the whole event is canceled.
4: Yeah. What's interesting is, though, they have to go by the Illinois rules. And the state of Illinois has tighter rules. And then Evanston even has more tight rules. But apparently, I don't know how it works or the percentages or what it is. But really, it takes one positive uh, to shut the whole thing down for the Northwestern team. So, I don't know if it would have been the same if it was a Nebraska team. Um, I don't want to find out. But um, that was that was the called by the doctors, and the Big Ten.
5: My goodness. So there are not Big Ten rules that oversee these t- decisions. Actually, each team's ability to play is governed by local health r- rules and laws and, and uh, policies and also potentially statewide policies. So it depends Correct. on where the, the college is located, whether that team on the road will be allowed to participate.
4: Correct. So that, that plays into it, and um, so apparently that's, that's why they had to shut down. Now, I talked to Shane Davis, their coach. Uh, he, he called me in the morning and said, you know, we had a positive test, which I already knew about, and, and we were discussing what would happen, you know, if we didn't get the results back by game time or warm-up time. What if it came in the middle of the first game? And she was positive, you know, we'd have to shut it down in the middle of the game. So those were the conversations that were were being had. Uh, you know, not a lot of fun. I didn't tell our team because uh, I didn't want them, you know, I wanted them in game mode mm. and, and playing. And, of course, when I did tell them, I told them the story. And, of course, they're playing along like, yeah, whatever. And I just said, well, that's just what happened. They, they didn't believe me. So they thought I was kidding them and – it took uh, several. It took Lindsey Peterson to lecture them that no, this is what's happening for them to finally believe it. And, you know, the team know was
5: so was incredulous. It. They thought you were playing some sort of motivational game with them, and and pretending I the match know. was canceled. I
4: think, yeah, I just think at that age, you know, you yeah. just, you don't think it's going to happen, and uh, you know. Um, and it did. So, you, and, and right before the match, that's what also mm-hmm. made it really hard.
5: Four o'clock. And the match was supposed to start at six. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you rec- recall ever a match that you coached or a, a game that you played in that was ever canceled and uh, so, you know, at the 11th hour like this one for weather reasons or any other? No. I, I do remember... I think when I was at Wisconsin, we had a match get canceled,
4: but I don't remember why or the details. I just feel like it it happened once before, but, yeah, this is a first.
5: So once your players realized this was uh, the truth, there would be no match Friday night and no match Saturday night, what were their reactions?
4: They were in disbelief and then shock, and and then uh, we made the plan for the next day. And what was that? Uh, we would come in and create a, uh, we kept, we asked the refs if they could come in Saturday and we t- would try to recreate as much of a uh, game-like situation as possible. And and then they wanted to know if the parents could come watch. And so we got that approved, which didn't make it feel like more than just a practice. So it, it worked out pretty good. We ended up having a five-gamer and it was fun.
5: Did you split it up between starters and non-starters or you split everyone up uh, so they were two equally balanced teams?
4: We, we, uh, we played three games with one lineup, and then we made some changes and, uh, and then played two more games, and it ended up working out where it went five. So um, it was two to two um, for each side, and then uh, played the fifth game.
5: Wow. 500. Hold on, 531-500-4686, 531-500-4686 six, six. Six, six. if you want to talk to the head coach of Nebraska Volleyball. Well, you jump one spot in the rankings for what that's worth, number four, but this I want to ask you about, I mean, you've got Texas number two in the country, they're 14 and 0, you're 2 and 0, Stanford's number seven, they're 0 and 0, I, how possibly are they going to be able to seed this tournament in, in April? with 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 such with, yeah. with with such different schedules and and who knows what kind of interruptions we're going to see between now and then
4: right we don't and uh, you know there's there's really not going to be a fair way to do it and remember there's already a bunch of automatic bids from conferences you know with their champions no matter where they're ranked and or how good they are so there's 40 18s and i think there's 30 you know automatic so at least 18 open spots and how you pick those be really interesting, you know. Coach Pettit called me the other day, and was asking me about that, and I, you know, I recommend it to the NCAA committee because uh, they've been on some of our Big Ten calls that they need to get some coaches that watch volleyball. So, you know, mm. Coach Pettit, John Dunning, Karch Karai, uh, you know, and get them on on, uh, on that committee to help decide, you know, because you're going to have to go by. I, I mean, I don't know what, what they're going to go by. But you've got to go by the eye test somewhat and, you know, maybe, you know, and you have, they have to look at, you know, okay, so let's say you played a couple matches. So, like Penn State, for example, we know Penn State is a top-ten team. You know, sure. there's no question. So, But what happens if they come back and, you know, they haven't played in three weeks and they're playing against a team that's already played for three weeks? I mean, that's a huge advantage. And so if they drop a couple matches or you get a couple players, you know, out with COVID or something, and so you're down, but but eventually you get them back. So I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting deal how they do it.
5: Michigan's not going to play for another week. So they're only right. going to get eight weeks at best, 16 matches, and uh, it's just going to be really, really difficult. Now, you have questions typically every year about the seedings and, and how it works. So, and, and one of your suggestions is, hey, let's get some of these experienced uh, long-time coaches who now are out of the game. Their objective is just to help out with the seedings. How did they take that suggestion this year when you made it recently?
4: Well, they don't listen to anything I say. I just, I'm just telling you, at least I made the suggestion just so the Husker fans know, you know, we put some thought into it, and I'm trying to, you know, help, help that committee out. Because you've got to remember, you got to look at who's on the committee. It's not volleyball people you know, administrators, you know, uh, support administrators from schools all over the country. They're not all from the Big Ten. I mean they're they're from schools that you may have heard of but I most of our fans may not even have heard of them. Mm. So that's the committee that's deciding and you know it's a it's a wide range of you know of school of these committee members of levels of play, you know, in conferences. So uh, but there wasn't anything I say, so, but I felt better offering it. felt mm. like I was trying to make a difference.
5: It just seems like, Coach, so much is unknown about the rest of this season. We're not sure whether we're going to have different sites for the opening weekend of the the, the tournament, the, the second weekend of the tournament, the regionals. We do know the Final Four is supposed to be in Omaha. We don't know how the seedings are going to happen, I mean, and, and understandably so because there's so much that's changing. It's such a fluid situation every week. It, is it just reinforced for you that you just have to focus on what you can control?
4: That's and that's what uh, in the interviews I've done and, and you know, I've been asked questions, you know, how do you deal with this? You know, how do you, you in the mindset, you know, I've been telling our team and I had a really good chance to reinforce this on Friday when when the match got canceled is you just take you just take it one day at a time and you wor- worry about winning that day and, and make the best of it. Like we say, when we travel overseas, we. We prepare for the worst hope for the best and that's just the mindset you have to have because you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with Northwestern are they back playing next week or training mm. again they're definitely canceled this week they're all in quarantine right now if you have some more positive tests I mean they might be shut down for three weeks mm. so you just I mean you just don't know they they tested today for example so they'll get the results tomorrow but if there's any if they have any other ones that test positive I mean it's it's yeah. You just try to try to focus on the day.
5: I just remember finally those you know days when you could coach on. You can just focus on coaching volleyball. This is, uh, now you're like a part-time yeah. epidemiologist.
4: Yeah, but I like I you know for me personally I love right now it's it's just great to be able to go in and practice and <laughs> I love practices and um but that's how you have to look at it yeah. because you know um. You, you'll lose your mind if you, do, if you don't mm. do it that way.
5: You got Maryland this weekend. We'll talk about the Terps, folks, when we come right back. I look at the stats for Maryland, Coach, and, yeah, they're 0-4, but they had two deuce games against Mighty Minnesota. They went five the weekend before against Ohio State. Ohio State obliterated Michigan State last weekend. This team has got some talent. It looks like they got two good middles and two good outsides. What can you tell us about the Terps?
4: Yeah, they're uh... – uh, you know they they've been on a youth movement they've got some great players um, um, big physical outside hitters that play all the way around so you'll be you'll be loving that mm-hmm. um, and they set them out of the back row front rows so l- l- like the system they're trying to play and then they've got a very athletic middle very fast and athletic you know she's given everybody fits um, and they're a very good blocking team and a very good serving team, so this is this is going to be a, uh, they got a very experienced setter, I think she's been there about eight years, so um, um, it's a, you know, a, a big physical Big Ten team, and they played, uh, Ohio State, they lost 15-13 in the fifth and one, and 15-12 in the other, so they were really close to winning, and then um, played Minnesota really tough, who's, who's a, you know, great team, so we're going to have our hands full. Should be a good match.
5: Raynell Jones is the middle you're talking about. 1.7 blocks a set. Wow, and uh, hitting 381. So I trust you're going to be trying to take them out of their offense all night, so they cannot set Raynell Jones in the middle.
4: Yeah, she she's a handful. So uh, we'll have to have a good plan for
0: her.
5: So, coach. We just walked through what the NCAA.com website feels as the all-time Husker volleyball team. Is there anyone in your gym currently that you can project as a potential all-time great Husker volleyball player? Uh,
4: I, I wouldn't go there right now because I think that's something uh, you know they got to prove it over their entire career. You know how, how successful their teams were, uh, and um, so the story is still yet to be written. For all of our players now, because technically, we, you know, we theoretically, we have no seniors when you look at yep. it, because everybody's eligible to play this fall. So, uh, so anyway, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. And um, uh, so let's let them write, finish the story.
5: Riley Zune, Kayla Caffey, they caught a lot of attention with your opening weekend back to back sweep victories at. Indiana, can you give us an update on how they're doing in practice, and do you project them to start again at least Friday night?
4: Uh, I don't want to make any projections right now, but they are both uh, had a good week of practice, and you know we talked to our team about. You got to compete every week and sh- show and earn the right to play on the weekend because we've got a lot of players uh, and uh, that we're comfortable putting in, and so they have to battle every week. It's great, and. Um, so we'll see see what happens, but you know it was fun to watch those guys play, and and uh, you know Kayla brings another dimension to us in the middle that we we probably haven't had uh, in that in that one middle blocker position. It was fun to watch, and of course Riley is is blossoming in. But you know she's six five, so you know she's just a game changer with her height. I mean it's hard to go against height, and it's hard to defend it, and it's, uh you know, it's a, it's a big advantage.
5: That's head coach John Cook. This is your Nebraska Volleyball Show Sports Nightly coming up after the top of the hour. I'm John
1: Baylor. Good night, Nebraska. Head coach Fred Hoiberg met with members of the media today. Austin? That he
2: did. We get to hear from the head coach a couple days in a row after his show last night had a gathering Today, it's been a while since we've heard from the head coach, and so not a bad thing to be hearing from him. Now, it's been a while since Nebraska's played January tenth. Their last game shut down with COVID issues and COVID protocols till Sunday was their their first practice back. So, one of the questions that was asked of coach was if there was ever any talk of shutting down their season, of calling it quits during their COVID pause.
6: No, that, that, that was never discussed. We, we felt, uh, you know, we, we communicated with the Big Ten throughout this whole process, and that, that was an important part of it. Uh, it's gonna be hard, you know, as we continue to schedule these games. It's good that we have, I believe, the next four scheduled now. Michigan State, um, Minnesota, come back for Wisconsin and at Penn State and all those game times now have, have, um, uh, you know, we're all set with those, you know, after that we have a tentative schedule after talking to the Big Ten, but nothing set in stone right now. Uh, but as far as as talking about shutting down, no, that never came up. You know, the good thing now with it having gone through our entire team, I think we only have one or two now that haven't had it. Uh, we should be able to play all the way through the end of the season you know obviously barring a shutdown by our opponent but uh you know again when you look back at it uh you know those teams that this thing hit in the offseason which was the majority of them you know they're going through this thing without a hitch right now but unfortunately it hit us you know at a tough time a bad time but you know our guys are excited to get back on the floor and compete
2: I like hearing that Ben especially after This pause where they're excited to get back in the gym. They're excited to get going. They weren't talking of shutting down. Even for a guy like Coach Hoiberg, who had COVID, sounded like it was pretty bad. He's at risk with his documented heart issues. They want to get out there and play. It sounds vaguely reminiscent of football, too, where, you know, Coach Frost said, yeah, our guys just want to play. And I, I love seeing that spirit. I think these guys want to get the game rest. They want to be back on the floor. They want to keep doing everything they can to improve and start winning some games.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially having to to isolate, to be by yourself, to probably be in a hotel room someplace and not be around people. Yeah, I mean, I I would imagine they just want to do the thing they love, which is play basketball.
2: Absolutely. So not many chances over the last month at that shutdown. Five games postponed. Illinois, Maryland, Minnesota. Iowa and Penn State were supposed to have been Husker opponents during the shutdown. Not to be. So here's Coach Hoyberg on how confident he is they'll be able to reschedule those five games.
6: Yeah, uh, you know, Kevin, we're, we're trying to get all the games uh, scheduled, which I believe would be 15 games in 32 or 33 days um never been very good at math but you know hopefully we'll be able to get them all in i mean hell players don't like to practice anyway so to be able to play uh you know that amount of game in a short amount of time but it's going to be very much like an nba schedule you know there's back-to-backs on the table again nothing's been finalized at this point with our schedule but we have talked about that as an option uh you know to get two games under our belt uh, you know, potentially playing in the same arena and then not having the, you know, home, if playing a road, not having the home game returned, uh, you know, to help with travel and, you know, to help find a way to get all these games in. But, uh, you know, the Big Ten's done a really good job of staying in contact with us, uh, talking to us about our schedule and trying to get the remaining 15 games in.
2: You don't have to be good at math to see Nebraska has a small number of days to play a large number of games.
1: Yep, and we'll see uh, the, the start to that Rubik's Cube being solved uh, this week with Michigan State on Saturday. Thanks to everybody for being a part of this one here tonight. Thanks to Austin. Thanks to Tim. Thanks to Mick. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to our guests, Nate Klaus. Uh, thanks to John Cook. And John Baylor, also thank you uh, once again to everybody out there listening. We're back again with you tomorrow, Full Sports Nightly. Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, joins us. Jeremiah Searles hoping to join us as well. Play some buy, sell. Plenty coming your way tomorrow on Sports Nightly. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 6.